Hello there, known universe. We are broadcasting at you. Hopefully we are coming in loud and clear. Fingers crossed. I don't always trust the internet. This is T.C. Rollins. This is Rain DeGray. And we are here with a, another episode of the Dirty Talk podcast. Now, this is an even-numbered episode. And for those of you joining us for the first time, because maybe there's some first-timers out there. It's always somebody's first time. Hello and welcome. Let us make your first time as pleasurable as possible. And speaking of first times, I have something about first times coming up. But first, if this is your first time, the even-numbered episodes go out to the world at large, to the universe. Maybe we'll broadcast these out into space and in a billion years, somebody on some other planet will be listening to our voices talking about things which are completely incomprehensible to them in our alien language. But you can understand us as it is now. <laughs> Indeed. The other episodes, you can find them on our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk Podcast, and you get every episode ever broadcast out into the universe at large. And that makes you special. Uh, plus, you get a cookie and a gold star. Yes. Just to be clear, so I don't get in trouble, these are cyber cookies and cyber gold stars. They're mental cookies. We'll we'll send yes. you we will send you appreciation if you join the the Patreon. We give you appreciation, mental cookie. I don't think you want to receive them in the mail because they'll probably be stale. And crumbly. Yeah. Maybe the envelope will be a little bit greasy. Not really selling me on those physical cookies. But you know what? Our mental cookies taste so good. Delicious. Speaking of first times. As I was promising, I have something about that. Some research came out of the University of Toronto about first times. We do like research. We loves us some research here at the Dirty Talk podcast. Now, this isn't necessarily a sex podcast, but we do talk about sex a lot. A lot. We like talking about sex. And I'm going to be talking about sex on this episode because the research is showing that women enjoy sex a lot more if they've had a good first time, according to this research. I know this is earth-shattering. You may not believe this, but women, compared to men, according to, this, according to this research, women, as compared to men, were half as likely to report being satisfied at first intercourse and about eight times less likely to have had an orgasm. What they have found is that the better the woman's first time was, the more it affects the level of their sexual desire going forward for the rest of their lives. Huh. I didn't know that. I mean, that would make sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, your first introduction, if it's really bad and toxic and unpleasant or unsatisfying, could indeed set up a foundation uh, going forward. Yeah. So the argument that they're trying to dispel is that men innately have a higher sex drive than women, and, and men do have a higher sex drive in some way. Testosterone, they've shown, does make people want to have sex more, and I think women with higher testosterone levels tend to desire sex more. That would explain me. Because you theorize that you have a higher I, testosterone I, level. I do, yes. Because of your big hands. And my deep voice mm -hmm. and my height and my incredibly high sex drive. Mm -hmm. I have a multitude of factors that makes me theorize that, yes. Yeah. And the fact that many times in the course of my life, people have thought that I was trans. Mm -hmm. 
This week, I had some woman go off on me for being trans. Really? Oh, yeah. She said I was a dude in a dress wearing a wig and that I had no right to stand next to her because I didn't understand childbirth. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm sure that this person can find plenty of photos online that prove that you are not trans. Uh, I pointed that out to her, and then it quickly spiraled into Russia is right, and I'm a conservative, uh, and I'm fighting against censorship, and I guess she really hates trans people, and she had decided that I was trans. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, it got it got pretty icky. Well, we will definitively say right now <laughs> that can you, you can you testify? I, I can testify that you am I packing are not a dick? Trans? No. I, Not and, that there's anything wrong with that. And, and here's the thing is that mm. I have used a speculum on you at some <laughs> point. So not only can I verify that you have all the lady bits, you have the vulva, you have a vagina. No no surgical scars. I've also looked up inside of you and I've been able to see a cervix. Mm-hmm. So if you faked all that, Kudos to you, because that is a damn good operating job that if there was a doctor that threw that together, that like wielded that out of whatever material they use, that is a damn good job. So I could, I could verify having having been all the way up inside there. Her mark of a woman was that I had to have had a child uh, breastfed, produced gallons of, of breast milk, and uh, otherwise I don't qualify as a woman. That's a very narrow understanding of what a woman is. Well, conservative pro-Russian women, I guess. I do wear a lot of wigs. She's not wrong. Mm -hmm. I like wigs. That's the caliber of people that you meet up online with. And that's why one of the reasons I avoid going online. You're not missing out on much, my friend. No, I'm sure I have not. We've spiraled off topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just want to like, I have dated a number of trans people. I'm totally down with trans people. Uh, I myself own many, many dicks. Uh, I've never had one uh, physically attached to me that I couldn't remove at the end of a session. You've never chopped one off of your own. Yeah. You've never chopped your own. I'm not saying anything Yet. about anything that has happened. I mean, there's just, Yet. I'm not trying to incriminate you in any sort of way, but you've never chopped I your own off. I can't foretell the future. As of now, that is a fact. Okay. Yes. To be determined is what you're saying. <laughs> well, this is such a side tangent. I'm not quite hey, sure Hey, anyways, did you know that if women have a better experience <laughs> their first time, they're more likely to have a higher sexual drive and sexual desire later on in life? Were you aware well, that of that? checks out. The more frustrating a woman's first experience is... The, the less her desire for sex is. Uh, well, then once again, I'm an anomaly because my first time was bad. And yet here I am. It didn't touch my sex drive at all. Mm-hmm. I continue to be outside the bell curve in so many ways, my friend. Oh, so the last thing I'm going to say about this, I'm going to touch on something <laughs> that I know you really are into as is that. It- is it in your pants? What are you touching on? No, I'm not touching anything in my pants right now. My hands are thoroughly, okay. you can see my I see, hands. I see that. Okay, my so, hands okay. are not doing anything currently. Right. They're just wiggling my fingers. Okay, go on. The The individual doing research on this at the University of Toronto says that it is important because it could have implications for sex education 
uh, right now, sex education is purely focused on sexual health and reproduction and prevention of STIs and everything like that, but they do not touch on the aspect of pleasure and that right. it can be a pleasurable yeah. experience. I know we've discussed this in the past, mm -hmm. but if somebody's entire sexual life can be impacted by their experience the first time they engage in it, then that should be addressed and people should know that it can be pleasurable and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And even if their first time isn't enjoyable, because nothing, most, most things that you try, most things you do, you're not going to be good at them the first time you do them. And this is one thing they should be teaching younger people is like, look, you're going to start having sex and you're going to suck at it. Nobody's <laughs> going to be good. Nobody gets good at having right. sex for a long time. That takes a lot of practice. I mean, I still I'm putting into practice. I still want to practice as much as I can possibly practice because I always want to keep getting better at it. And I've been practicing for a couple decades now. So I keep wanting to practice as much as I can practice. Practice makes perfect, they say. Yeah, but they, they need they need to tell this to the younger people and say, look, your first time might not be good. You might not orgasm. It might be weird. It might be uncomfortable. I mean, we don't want to scare them off from it, but we also don't want them to form their whole entire sexual adulthood and identity based on one bad experience from the first time. The unfortunate truth of the matter is that women have a much higher chance of having a bad first time, and that can indeed shape their entire sex life for their entire life. And there isn't a lot of bandwidth for that being discussed. Uh, as an example, of Virginia Woolf was repeatedly raped. She lost virginity and was raped by her older half-brother. And when she finally went and got married, her husband had no patience for the fact that she had sexual trauma and it affected their entire marriage. Mm. And he was like, just be better, like stop being awkward about this. It's like, yo, I got de-virginized and repeatedly raped by my older half-brother. Well, but yeah, but that's in the past. So why are you carrying this baggage into the bedroom? Mm -hmm. That's a rough introduction. Yeah. Well, especially because it's because it's going to remind you no matter what it'll probably still have some sort of triggering aspect of it whenever you engage in that sort of activity her older half-brother would not only rape her at night and tell her she was darling and precious but then he would mock her during the day for her looks and say how ugly she was so it's mm. the contradiction of tell her during the day you're a dog and then at night he would be boning her and uh, it completely affected her entire sexuality, and there wasn't a discussion about that. And you had very impatient husbands or boyfriends or partners who were like, yeah, yeah, but that's in the past. Get on top of it. Let's have fun now. Well, if, if, you, tra if you traumatize the pussy mm -hmm. starting out, the pussy's probably not going to be as excited or enthusiastic going forward. So, And also, if you start putting all that pressure on it. Yeah. Because they've always, yeah, it's obvious the more pressure you put on somebody to enjoy a situation, the more they're going to enjoy it. If you're just saying, we're going to have fun, damn it. Are you having fun now? Are you yes. enjoying yourself? Better, better smile for me. Having fun. Well, fucking. The beatings dude. will continue until morale <laughs> improves. Yeah, basically. Jeez. Much. Well, the other reason why women often can't enjoy sex as much beyond them not really having as much control in the situation because men will usually take over and direct 
the situation. And, and what their research found is that even if a man has a bad experience their first time, it doesn't do anything. He just shakes it off. Yeah, they they, they will still go and have plenty of sexual desire, and they rubs, can still have rub some happy. dirt in it. Yeah, oh, it's fine. They'll have yeah. a they'll have a satisfying sex life even if their experience isn't great, and even though if, even if they don't orgasm the first time, they're like, meh, whatever, I'll try that again. But women also have to deal with the specter of pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, that's heavy for sure. There's a lot that men don't have to deal with being the receptive. Uh, partner in a sexual act, whether male or female, increases your chances of STIs. Women have to deal with pregnancy, which is not something that men have to deal with. Pregnancy can completely tear up your body. It affects you financially. And even though it shouldn't be the case, there is societal shaming. A man mm -hmm. has a bunch of sex. He's a stud. A woman does, and she's a slut and a whore and a harlot. Uh, so yeah, double standards, higher risk for STI uh, and risk for a pregnancy, which will completely change your life. If you bring another human onto this planet, it completely changes your life. Mm -hmm. But why aren't you relaxing? Come on, honey. Let's have fun. Did you come? Did you come? Why aren't you relaxed? Why are you so uptight? Why don't you just relax? Eh, it's a little harder to relax than you, buddy. This is kind of turning into a little bit of a downer of a podcast here. Um, unintentionally, this... <laughs> unintentionally, we'll bring this back up. Well, I mean, no, we won't because I know the rest of our topic. <laughs> this, this is, I'm sorry, man. Look, we are honest and we are discussing things that need to be discussed. Yes. And refusing to discuss things and sticking your head in the sand doesn't make those things go away. The honest truth is that having those uncomfortable discussions allows you to get through to the other side where things are better. Mm -hmm. So, hey, I mean, you're not tuning into us for sunshine and rainbows and lollipops. Like there are podcasts that do that. <laughs> we are having frank, honest, important, valuable discussions. That's mm -hmm. what we do here. Booyah. Boom. Bring the truth. And if if it makes you a little uncomfortable, that's what growth feels like. Growth hurts. I had growth spurts when I was younger. When I got so tall, my legs hurt. Growth is painful. You're welcome. But but necessary. <laughs> Anyways, I brought up the pregnancy because there is a new birth control pill that is about to go into human trials for men. Is it in the form of a lollipop that you suck on? No, it's a form of a pill that you have to take every day. Is it rainbow colored, the pill? Yeah, but it looks like sunshine. <laughs> I'm, tr I'm trying to looks bring like it up. It's sunshine. Bring it up. Well, so, okay, so like well, here's, the here's the like thing. The dick. You could bring, bring the dick up, and this doesn't have any side effects. It was shown to be 99% effective in lab mice. So mm -hmm. it works in a completely different way. It works by binding a protein that attaches itself to vitamin A in the body. Research has shown in the past that diets that are really low in vitamin A can lead to sterility. So they have found this new compound, which they are calling GPHR529, which binds to this specific protein, the RAR, the, the retinoic acid receptor alpha to block vitamin A absorption, and it has been super effective in mice. They have not seen any side effects, and within a couple of weeks after stopping the treatment, the mice have gone back to producing sperm normally, so it's completely reversible. The reason why they're excited about this is because all the other pills that they've tried on men are hormone pills, 
And mm-hmm. usually, like, oh, you mean like what women have to go through? Yes, mm-hmm. they block testosterone, but the drawback on is those, it side is it side effects? There's the side effects oh. because it leads to depression, weight gain, decreased oh, libido. Gosh. Oh, All gosh. these other guess, things. Guess what women get as side effects when they have to take birth control? Bleeding between periods, nausea and vomiting, headaches, breast tenderness, tiredness, and bloating. Mm-hmm. But we have to deal with that every month. But men are like, I don't want to take birth control because I don't like any side effects. Hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things that the scientists involved hmm. in this study was saying is the, the, the reason they're super hopeful for this is because there seems to be almost no side effects. Oh. And they say, since men do not have to suffer the consequences mm-hmm. of pregnancy, the mm-hmm. threshold for side effects mm. for birth control pills is rather low. So they are admitting, like, we need to have something which is super easy to take mm-hmm. you take this pill every day if we can convince mm-hmm. a man to take this pill every day there's mm-hmm. no side effects except for mm-hmm. no you don't produce sperm for a while and you yeah. can stop it you produce sperm again then maybe men can take this seriously because mm-hmm. they haven't had this responsibility because they're mm-hmm. like well if i don't take it it's not on me i'm not saddled with this kid <laughs> i don't like being uncomfortable in any way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's there's another treatment that they are looking at right now it's this gel called nesterone which you rub on your upper arm it's it's like a it's like a foam gel that you rub on your upper arm once a day and it has this testosterone blocking thing but then they also add in other testosterone into this stuff so it's blocking your natural testosterone but then adding in testosterone supplement on top of that so that you don't have any side effects from lack of testosterone. It's very important for the penis havers not to be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Hopefully there's this pill that won't have any side effects that is completely reversible and will be easy enough for guys to take. But here's the question I have for you. Mm. is being the one that is still on the receptive side and still responsible for any pregnancies that happen, how trusting should a woman be if (laughs) if the guy's like, oh, no, it's cool, I'm on the pill? Not, yeah, I can see the value of having a male birth control pill. However, uh, I have to say, hashtag not all men, I can also easily see a man saying, don't worry, babe, you can trust me, I'm on the pill. Or even more than that, that they forget because there's no real consequences for them forgetting to take it Mm. other than, I mean, I guess you could have a kid, but men already have kids and can be at times a bit blasé about it. Uh, I would say that that's in established relationships, Mm. but if it's the same thing, hey, baby, don't worry about it. I've had a vasectomy. It's It's all good. I'm shooting blanks. Um, oh, I can say that, and I get I can get a signed affidavit from you because you were in the room. I, 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 I should get room. a signed affidavit from you that they could call call this number if you don't God believe can, me. I have been I have witnesses. There's no video I because we couldn't video the thing. But I, asked, I have witnesses. I asked. Yeah. I smell. I smelled your flesh sizzling. I can. I saw it, the tube get cut. I can verify that you had. Yes, if you ever need an affidavit. 
I have no problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, I suppose I've been in relationships where I've had to trust that the woman is taking the pill every day, and I've trusted that. But it's also because I know that most of the onus is on her for doing mm -hmm. that unless she wants to also have the consequences of becoming pregnant. So I've been able to trust that partly. The, the value of it would be that if you didn't trust the woman, you could be taking the birth control yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, we had discussed in a previous podcast that Drake has a huge issue with women wanting his sperm. Mm -hmm. And he actually has to put Tabasco sauce, hot sauce in his used condoms. And evidently a woman that he'd hooked up with scampered off into the bathroom after he was done to fish his used rubber out of the trash can and shove it inside her so that she could have a baby. And then she got her inside scorched because he dumped hot sauce in. But if but how he, did you dig a condom out of the trash to try and get that sweet payout from the baby bag? Maybe if 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 that used condom was worth millions of dollars. More than one woman would be like, I'm going to hoover it out and see what happens. So that uh, could be their target market is male celebrities. Male celebrities that don't want to pay for child support. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, there's definitely a market for it. But if you are your average chain and some dude is like, don't worry, baby, I'm on the pill. I'd, uh, I'd worry. I'd have a backup plan. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Always have a plan B. Is what you're saying. Mm. I little see what you did there. That's, a wink there eh? that's, that's, that's quite clever. Yeah, yeah. Going to the other end of preventing babies, mm -hmm. there's new research out. This is the last thing I have this week. They are 3D printing sperm ducts so that they can grow sperm outside of the body. Grow sperm outside of the body. Mm-hmm. Who's they? Is it dudes? Dudes it, are really into sperm, well, it's man. Scientists. Scientists. All right. Scientists okay. in Canada. A lot of this stuff is happening up in Canada. Thank you, Canadians. It's cold. You can't really go outside. You got to think of something to do. <laughs> you start printing out. You start printing out sperm ducks because what else is there to do? What one of the things they're trying to do is counteract this condition called NOA, which is non-obstructive azoospermia. So for some reason, the seminiferous tubules fail to produce sperm. And so there's no sperm present in the ejaculate. Prior to this, what they've been doing is that they try to go into the seminiferous tubules with needles and see if they can extract the very, very rare sperm that might be present in there. They have likened this to seriously looking for a needle in a haystack. And this only works for maybe 50% of the individuals that suffer from this. They are 3D printing life-size models of the human seminiferous tubules. And if you remember from our previous episode, you remember the acronym STEVE, and that is how the sperm travels through the reproductive tract. It starts in the seminiferous tubules. That's the ST. Do you remember the E? Ejaculate. Epididymis. Epidemis O. Oh, yeah. I do remember the v Steve. Is the vas deferens and vas deferens. the E is the ejaculatory duct. Steve. Oh, okay. That's how the sperm yeah. gets at your body is Steve. So, I kept thinking about the them pulling sperm out of corpses in order to make babies. Well, I was gonna talk about that because they are creating these 3D printed 
seminiferous tubules they then take the stem cells from the donor and put the stem cells in there and let them grow in these artificial seminiferous tubules and after 12 days they found that they are still alive and they're starting the process of creating new sperm so the hope is is that they can keep growing these stem cells because it takes the human body about 70 days to produce a new sperm so if this is possible they can just take this the stem cells from these people suffering from this NOA, grow some sperm, and then use that sperm in in vitro fertilization. You get filled with importance. You get filled with importance. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets filled with importance. Yeah. Well, my thought was, as, as a little callback to previous episodes, that if we do this, we can start growing sperm outside of our bodies in these 3D printed structures. Then, of course, we have to put the sperm through the sperm Olympics to see which sperm are the best sperm. So we got to right, make yeah, the sperm important. run mazes. Then they get to win the chance to fertilize. But then I'm going to also go down that rabbit hole of if we were trying to harvest sperm from dead men before – this adds a whole new layer of it because if we can just get some sperm stem cells, put them in 3D printed structures, then we can grow the sperm of dead men. So we don't even have to harvest it. So it's just this whole other level where you can save these stem cells and then years later start growing the sperm. So it wasn't even really donated in any way. So that's that's just a whole nother can of worms that gets opened up. We are living in a very odd timeline. Mm -hmm. The timeline I was born in, it was Bernstein Bears. I'm just saying. Things have gotten weird. Are you are you blaming the Large Hadron Collider? I, uh, yes, I think I am. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. While we're on the topic of sex, because we do like talking about sex a lot, mm -hmm. and while we're on the topic of how weird this timeline's gotten, one of the things that we talk about a lot in this new and very weird timeline is fake news. Mm -hmm. And I have some fake news about sex I would like to dispel. Okay. We have gotten to a point where you can't really trust what you read online. Things have to be triple verified. We learned that a lot doing research here well, for the podcast. It's what Abraham Lincoln said, right? Abraham Lincoln said, "Don't believe everything you read online." That was a that was a quote of his that, that I saw. Yeah. I saw it yeah, online. Yeah. I saw it online. Yeah, it's yeah. a quote he's well known for. Mm. I think he, I think he faxed that to a samurai. Yes. I believe before that's he was what, assassinated, he sent that. No, in no, a fax. no, that's where you are wrong. He actually faxed it to Albert Einstein. Uh, the samurai is the fake news part. I'm sorry, man. Uh, Albert Einstein wasn't alive at the same time as Abraham Lincoln. That's where you're wrong. I read it on the internet. That well, I read on the internet there was actually a twenty-two year period where Abraham Lincoln could have realistically sent a fax to a samurai, and and because the the first fax machine existed back then. Okay, so we're spiraling. We're I'm just, just gonna. We're I'm just gonna. To you're just. Anyway, supposedly keep going with he faxed this. He faxed this. Abraham Lincoln faxed it to a samurai that you That's can't believe everything you read That's online. That's fake news. That is. You fake heard it news. here first. Heard here incorrect news that you just heard. That's totally ignore my co-host. He is just babbling at this point. We have learned in the process of doing research that if you come across something that seems particularly interesting or cool, you have to triple check it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have gotten caught where I will go to share something with you, super exciting, and then it's like, oh, uh, that's not actually true. 
we have some Patreons that will send us links and news sources, and they're under no obligation to double check it. But I'll have to double check some of the stuff that's sent to me and then get back to them and be like, hey, sorry, that's not actually, it sounds good, but not actually true. One of the fake news that was just going around that has been dispelled is that Twitter is not placing sex offender notices on profiles. Mm. The concept that Twitter, it was actually uh, fake news. It was a hoax warning that Twitter was notifying people if the profile they were visiting was a sex offender. Absolutely not true. Uh, I am very anti-sex offender at the same time. I will go on record as saying I am anti-sex offender as well, and I do not have any friends who are sex offenders that I am aware of. I, I would like to point out that some people can be put on the list for having consensual relationships mm-hmm. with someone who is their partner. And if they are 18 in a day and their partner is under the threshold of 18 and they have an upset parent who doesn't want the two of them interacting, I have read multiple cases, heard of multiple cases where the parent of the younger partner waits, like if they don't approve of the boyfriend, mm. they wait for him to turn 18 and then they call in for a police report for a statutory rape. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but this is my partner. We've been dating. Well, it doesn't matter. You're now on the wrong side of the calendar. You were 17 and I hated the fact you were dating my daughter. I've just been waiting. You've now turned 18. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can be on the sex offender list if you had to pee and you got caught peeing. And it's like more than one Driving case around, some- mooning people out of a car. So, I mean, yes, apps. I'm, I am against sex offenders, just so we're clear. But some people end up on the list. You're like, dude, I had to pee. It's like now you're a sex offender forever because you you were putting your dick out. No, I just have poor bladder control. Mm. So I'm just clarifying. There is no. I mean, you couldn't even. How would you keep track of that on Twitter anyway? It's one of those like juicy stories that people start talking about, but it's like no, there's no way to verify it. So. Mm. Twitter does not have that power. Shifting with uh, absolutely no transition from fake news. What's <laughs> Give happening? Give it to you raw. <laughs> what's happening tonight, my friend? Well, if the people that are listening to this are listening to this tomorrow when it comes out for the patrons, then last night, last night. was the Oscars. We were recording this on the Sunday. If you're listening to this when this is released to the general public on Wednesday, then it was on Sunday night, last Sunday was the Oscars. Or if you're listening to this sometime in the future, at some point, there was the Oscars. I Correct. Thank you. Yes. Tonight, while we are recording this, it is Coming actually- Coming to you from the past. <laughs> we We try to avoid topical things. We want these podcasts to be evergreen. Uh, and- we try to mainly refer to things that you know are not super stuck in one time or place. But I want to talk about the Oscars tonight for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the reason that everyone's going to be talking about them tomorrow? Yes. Okay. But I but I believe that the what I'm bringing to the table is a slightly different angle than what everyone else is going to be talking about. Okay. What's your angle on it? I'm not uh, much of a television watcher. Uh, I mean, do enjoy some stuff. Super into Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Let it be said. Letter Kenny, huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't watch a ton of movies, but the Oscars got my attention tonight specifically because Will Smith decked Chris Rock. 
full on, like, I was watching it and I like puckered. Like, I know what that felt like. Uh, so what went down for anyone who isn't aware of this, and you probably all will be aware by the time you're listening, but I'm sure it'll be huge news. Bear, bear with me. Uh, and my point here is that I believe that Will Smith has been under uh, an unusual amount of pressure because Will Smith and his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, are kind of the most public faces of polyamory and open relationships. Polyamory and open relationships are a relationship style that is being more and more discussed. More and more people are practicing it. It is becoming more mainstream. But in terms of higher visibility, Will and Jada are about the top of the list for people that are in open relationships. And both of them have been getting a lot of grief for it. But in particular, Will has, where it's like, you're not a man, you're letting other people fuck your wife, mm. like, what is wrong with you? Uh, and you're I not believe- owning another person entirely, yeah. you're letting them make sexual decisions for themselves Selves, and deciding yeah. who they want to have relationships with. What is wrong with you, man? You're not treating your partner like some sort of sex slave? Right. What's your issue, buddy? <laughs> Basically, yeah. And I, I, Will and Jada have been together for many, many years. They obviously have a successful relationship. How they are choosing to do their relationship is working for the two of them. But a lot of outside people have opinions. And in particular, I am seeing uh, online, boy, it's a swamp online at times. I'm seeing Will shamed. Like a, a good, strong, true black man would never let himself be humiliated mm. by letting his wife fuck around town. Well, these the people calling him a cuck. Uh, it's it, among other things, and 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 yes, I mean that's that's kind of the go-to insult. Yeah, yeah. Now I have no proof that's what happened tonight with Chris, but what I do believe is that Will is a bit on edge, and he's tired of people talking about his wife. He's tired of people not in a relationship with him having an opinion on how he chooses to have a relationship with his wife. It's nobody's business but theirs. So uh, for those who are not aware, Jada Pinkett Smith suffers from alopecia, which is something that uh, disproportionately affects uh, African-American women. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody can get it, but they have a higher chance of having it. And she basically has no hair left. Uh, Chris Rock, in doing his Oscar shtick, made an insult joke about Jada, where he pointed to her and she feels uncomfortable about her hair. She's talked about it like... Don't talk about women's hair. It mm. is a sensitive subject. Or their looks in general. Because their looks guys in general, usually their have bodies. the freedom to feel like they yes. can just mention like, oh, you should smile. You'll look prettier mm-hmm. if you do or something like right. that. Why don't you put some effort into your appearance? Yes. And men do not, yeah. not that they don't get that, but much less men can show up in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. It's like, hey, you might have showered. Maybe you shouldn't be wearing Birkenstocks, some old sweatpants, and a greasy t-shirt there, buddy, yourself. Correct. Uh, women's uh, bodies, hair, appearances are much more uh, a topic for both discussion and judgment than men's are. Mm-hmm. And she has alopecia, and Chris looked at her and said, hey, looking forward to seeing G.I. Jane 2, mm-hmm. basically implying that she had shaved her head for the role. It's like, dude, she has no hair. What makes this particularly galling is that in 2009, there was a documentary film 
produced by Chris Rock called Good Hair. And it focuses on how Black women have perceived their hair and styled it. So Chris Rock knows about Black women's hair. It's not like he's ignorant. He has done a documentary about it. And whether or not he knew that Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia, it's obviously something that she's uncomfortable with. And you could see her reaction. She looked miserable. Uh, what nobody anticipated was that Will cracked and stormed on the stage and assaulted Chris Rock. For those who don't follow the Reddit thread, Am I the Asshole? Mm -hmm. uh, you can do a number of different votes. And my verdict in this case is that they were both assholes. Chris Rock was grievously out of line to have any sort of opinion on a woman's hair. And also Will Smith was out of line to physically assault someone. Mm -hmm. Will came back off the stage, sat down, and Chris is quite flustered and is trying to roll with it. And Will's response was, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Which, awkward, this is certainly going to be one of the most talked about Oscars. And then shortly after, Will Smith won the Oscar for Best Actor for King Richard, which just fits with this timeline, because the timeline I was born into, it was Bernstein Bears, I'm telling you. Now, mm -hmm. I, I, have, I have no proof that the reason that, that Will Smith assaulted Chris Rock was because he was having a lot of feels about his marriage with his wife being judged, but I do suspect this was the final straw. I would also like to humbly propose that insult comedy, mocking someone for the way they look, particularly if it's a medical condition they can do nothing about, having opinions on women's bodies and looks, like, stop that. Like, just stop. And I know that comedians say, oh, we can't make fun of anything anymore. We can't, like, we can't do comedy. How about you can do comedy without insulting someone's looks? Yeah. It's There's not necessary. plenty of other things to laugh about to yes, in this world yeah. uh, to joke about. Yes. Uh, I saw Will Smith's uh, acceptance speech, and he was crying the entire time. And one of the things that he uh, really kept leaning into is that as a man, it is his job to protect his family, mm -hmm. protect his wife. Uh, and I would like to humbly point out that that is also a form of toxic thinking. It, it, it seems noble and touching at the time. The concept of being a protector is a can be a form of toxic masculinity, i.e. you're not capable of protecting yourself. I'm a manly man. I'm going to do it. But that involves storming the stage in the middle of the live Oscars and punching Chris Rock in the face. So wanting to be a protector can indeed be carried too far. Uh, I don't know the implications of it. Like, how does your career get affected where you both publicly assaulted someone and then won an Oscar 10 minutes later? But it is completely fitting with this timeline because this timeline is bonkers. And uh, at this point, nothing surprises me much anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I get it. And uh, I, you know what? I think everybody's feeling this timeline's a little askew. There's glitches in the matrix, and I suspect they might have done something to the water supply. Is it fluoride? I bet it's fluoride. No. Well, you know what we need? A jaunty salute. Well, we need a jaunty salute. We need some sort of quantum leap jaunty salute. A jaunty oh. salute that will go back and put right what was once made wrong. That's a lot of pressure on these fingers, my friend. Mm. I will do. I will do my best. This is this is a momentous occasion right here. I'm gonna try and <laughs> quantum leap. Do everything. Quantum leap. 
my with this jaunty salute we will undo everything wow that's okay wait my it's buckling a little so, so after you say after you listen to this podcast <laughs> go to sleep and when you wake up you could be in another reality you'll never know Ooh, you'll never know you'll never know but it could be Ooh. maybe we are altering the fabric of space-time as it is right now as you are listening one jaunty salute coming up we're calling it an end to this episode go take a nap and when you wake up life as you know it will have changed forever or will it or maybe not maybe you'll just wake up and it'll be the same old shit in just another day oh that's a bit of a bummer (laughs) thank you for joining us for a a, uh, we love you. We love you. Thank you for giving us your ear holes, and we can't wait to fill them again next week. Yeah, we will talk at you later. Over and out. Catch you all later. Bye-bye.